The record before us is recorded in Luke's account only. And it is no wonder that Luke, the physician, would emphasize the healing miracles of our Lord. It's interesting how the circumstances of life thrust us with people that we would not ordinarily associate with. These ten men would not have associated with one another had not their mutual malady thrown them together. They were lepers. They were Jews, and one was a Samaritan, hated by the Jews. You'll recall the, Jew, the Samaritans were a mixed race of people. When the Babylonians came and uh, took the, the, the best exile, remember Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the young ones, they had a way of leaving the old and infirm and those too young to do anything. And then they would transport people from other parts of their conquered empire to settle there, to till the land and to maintain, but there'd be no chance that they would be able to rise an uprising against them. And that's where the Samaritans came from. They had a hybrid religion. They took much of Judaism and then added their own to it. And the Jews hated them for it. The Samaritans had their own temple, their own way of worship, but it was uh, not orthodox. It wasn't according to the Old Testament. And so you can imagine the rift that was between them. No self-respecting Jew would, would dare think of walking through Samaria. They would go around the, the whole border of the country, the territory, to avoid it. And yet, here these nine Jews and this one Samaritan are living together or associate with one another because of their common malady. Trouble has a unique way of bringing together enemies and of the commonality of pain and rejection often brings and builds relationships that would not otherwise be the case. I want us this morning to look at the text before us into three divisions. I think it would be good to look at first the, their great plight, their great disaster, their great need, their plight there in verse 12. And then I want us to look at their earnest plea in verse 13. And then we'll see the Lord's gracious pity in verses 15 and following. Does that sound like something you're interested in this morning? I hope so. That's what I have for you. We see here, first of all, their great plight, their problem. They were lepers. Leprosy was the most dreaded of all diseases in Bible times. There was no cure for it. Now, granted, when you read the Bible, the, the category of leprosy covered all manner of skin and contagious diseases, including the, the disease that we now refer to as Hansen's disease. It is our modern day term for it. And in spite of all the advances of medicine, and all the treatments and antibiotics of this contagious disease, I've read that there's still some 10 million people around the world who suffer from it, even in this day. Now, one form is especially horrible. The nerve endings in the extremities die and lose their sensitivity so that a person could touch a hot fire and be burned and not feel it or have a cut. And that, that would cause infection, and that mixed with the leprosy causes the, the digits, the body parts, to rot and fall away and have to be amputated. The limbs become deformed, and it could be a horrible, horrible situation. God ordained in the Old Testament economy 
that the, one of the high priest's responsibilities was to determine, to diagnose what kind of leprosy it was, to what degree uh, it was its, uh, its extent, and to what should be done, whether they should be ex excommunicated or quarantined or not. And those who had it were quarantined away from their families. They lived apart in leper colonies or by the side of the road. And it seems that this group here, we don't know, maybe just lived in the hedges and the highways. Lepers were required to be covered their face. And when they came in contact, if someone was walking down the road and they were living, camped out under, like we do, we see today, homeless people under the bridges and by the byways, they were, they were required by law to call out, unclean, unclean. So that the person coming by would go a various route or not come into close proximity with them. Isaiah 1 in verses 4 through 6 describes sin as leprosy. And just as there are types in the Bible, leprosy is a type of sin. I think you'll see why in just a moment. But there in Isaiah, the prophet told the, his nation, Ah, oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone backward away. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revoke more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds. And this is describing biblical leprosy and bruises and putrefying sores. And they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. I believe that Job's problem there in the book of Job was leprosy or a form of it of what was considered that in the Old Testament. Indeed, there are many similarities between sin and leprosy. Like sin, leprosy is always deeper than what it looks like. The priest would examine a coloring in the skin and determine if underneath it it was about to, to break out into leprosy. So sin is always deeper than what it appears. Whatever you see, please know that sin goes all the way to the DNA of the soul. Like sin, leprosy spreads. It's never contained. It never stays. Some people say, well, it's my life. I'll do what I want to. It's not bothering anybody. No bigger lies ever been told. Sin never is contained. It always affects those around us. Us, of course, the most. But it spreads. And as it does, it defiles it's easily uh, causes sorrow and heartache and isolation. Sin does. Sin's isolation will ultimately isolate sinners into hell. That's the end result. Just as these physical lepers on earth were isolated from every good and kind and uh, relationship and job. And they were totally removed from society. Separated. Separated because of sin. Numbers 12 verse 12 describes people with leprosy as dead. Remember when Miriam complained against her brother Moses and his authority, God, as a judgment, struck her leprous. And they said there in, in uh, Numbers 12, 12, as Aaron interceded on her behalf, she's like a walking dead woman. Because, of course, the end result is a death sentence. There, no one came back from this, the, the true horrible kind of, of leprosy. There was no cure. Here, the lepers' garments even were to be burned. After they became so soiled, they, they could not be clean. The, the disease there, so they burned anything they touched. Our Lord here is on his way to Jerusalem. But unlike most of his cohorts, 
He does not bypass Samaria. He is on the edge of Samaria and Judea. He comes in contact with these 10 lepers. And of them, uh, ob- uh, obvious, they're, uh, Jesus, the, the Jews there, and one, nine of them is the, uh, Jews and one is a Samaritan. He's in a wilderness area between Samaria and Galilee. And as Matthew Henry notes, he went that road to find out these lepers. Why is the Lord going through Samaria? He has a man he wants to save. Oh, thank God for his grace. He came all the way to heaven to seek and to save that which was lost. Out of his way. Far out of his comfort zone. He went that road to find these lepers and to cure them. And then Matthew Henry notes, For he has found of them that sought him not. Oh, that could be the testimony of us all. For as we sought him, we realized he was seeking us all the way. In Matthew 18, verse 11, as I've quoted, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so that's their plight. I could have made it worse, but I don't think I could need to belabor that point. I think we need to put point one aside, don't you? As gross and horrible as it is, but I think you're here today. Whatever your situation is, your sin, I want you to know in your sinful life, the fact that you are a sinner and that we are sinners is far more worse than if you had the disease of leprosy here today. Because we're going to see that leprosy can be cured. It takes a miracle takes a work of grace, a work of divine miracle. But the, 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 the disease of sin, the problem of sin is far, far greater. And so I want us to see, secondly, their earnest plea. Look there in verse 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Of course they would. That's how they did. And they lifted up their voices. This is the top of their voices. They're crying out and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It was obvious what their condition was, the covering over their faces, the drapes around them, the way they handled themselves. They're being stigmatized by being away. But can I tell you this morning, no one is too far gone that the Lord Jesus can't help. There's no sin that he cannot forgive. That fountain that is filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, no matter what the sin is, plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. There's no problem he cannot solve. I'm sure that you came to the Lord's house today, and I'm quite sure you didn't leave your problems at home. And there are those here that the problems are nagging you even as you're here. Some are different than others, but some are being crushed by a problem you cannot solve. May I just remind us all here this morning, there's no problem that the Savior can't solve. He has infinite wisdom. He knows the answer. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows all the possibilities. All power is given him in heaven and in earth. Whatever your problem is, bring it to Jesus. There's no problem he cannot solve. No wound, no heartache he cannot heal. Christ is, praise his name, he's no respecter of persons. He didn't come for the whole. He came for those who are sick and need a physician. What he's done for others, he can do for you and for me. I remember one day, I was sharing the gospel with a man who was dying. 
he had Lou Gehrig's disease, and his family asked me to go see him, and I, he could hardly move. He was barely, he could talk, and I began to explain to him. I didn't know what to do. He was hardened. He didn't want to hear. He thought he was too far gone. He was dying, and there was no cure, of course, for his disease, and I began to explain to him the thief on the cross because he said, I've gone too far. I've waited too long. And I told him about that man who with the last breath in his body believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no sin too great. There's no distance that you've gone that Christ can't, can't save you from it. On the brink of death. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, Paul writes, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all who will call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's my happy privilege to announce to you this morning. If you want to be saved, He will save you. If you have no interest in this, there's nothing else I know to tell you, but I can recommend to you Jesus Christ and tell you if you'll go to Him, He'll save you. Whatever trouble we might be going through, we can t call upon Him and He will help us and He will bear it up with us. Psalm 50 verse 15, And call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Take your eyes off the trouble and think of the, the weighty glory that God will glorify you and Himself through that trouble. Can you see yourself clear on the other side? Call upon me in your day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. You first glorify him by calling upon him. Call out to Jesus in faith. Listen to the testimony of others. I'm so glad the Lord has recorded the testimony of others in his word. Because when Paul says he's the chief of sinners, we thought we were. And then we read there was one greater. When we saw the thief on the cross who could be saved, that gives us hope, doesn't it? Because we weren't that far. Let's not compare sins. All sin is sin. We're all sinning comes short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. And the very best you could come up with in a thousand lifetimes and pile it up before the Lord, he'd say, well, that's, that stinks in my nostrils. Those are filthy rags. We'll have to have somebody else's garment. We'll have to have somebody else's righteousness. And our Savior is ready to give it. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of some of his troubles. I believe you're better Bible scholars than that. This poor man cried and the Lord saved him out of, help me church, all of his troubles. And many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's not that we're not going to be afflicted, but the Lord delivered him out of some of them. Again, church, help me out. He delivered him out of them all. Your greatest problem is not leprosy. It's not whatever is captivating your heart and mind right now. Whatever that is, it's robbing you of your peace and it's robbed this worship service, this, this haven, this foretaste of heaven on earth that we've enjoyed this morning. That's not your problem. Whatever you can call it, whatever name you can put on it, our problem, our greatest problem is not the leprosy of the skin, it's the leprosy of the soul. It, too, is absolutely incurable. There's no human right. There's no medicine. There's no treatment. There's no thing. There's no thing you can do. It's, it's sin, and it's part of your DNA and my DNA. We're both born with it. 
You don't have to teach a rattlesnake to bite and have poison, do you? It's its nature. You could find a baby rattlesnake, I guess, and take it into your home and feed it and pet it. But I want to tell you something. At some point, you're going to stick your hand in that cage and that rattlesnake is going to bite. I don't care how sweet you've been to it. I don't care how good you've been to it. I don't care if you fed it a mouse every day, its favorite delectable. That snake is going to bite you not because it's mean or because you didn't love it. It's because it's a snake. And you and I sin because we're sinners. We used to sing it. The great physician now is near. The sympathizing Jesus. He speaks the drooping heart to cheer. Oh, hear the voice of Jesus. Your many sins are all forgiven. Oh, hear the voice of Jesus. Go on your way to peace in heaven and wear a crown with Jesus. There's a crown for you. For all of those who know him and love his appearing somehow, somewhere. Don't ask me how. I do not know. I can only tell you what the scripture has revealed to me. These ten leopards, lepers heard that Jesus was in their vicinity. And somehow they heard about his power. Hope sprang up. Can you imagine if you heard of a man who was healing and you had leprosy? Wouldn't you go to where he was? And so they come, they, they acted upon what they heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They heard that Jesus could do this and they went to the roadside where he was purported to come down, where he knew they knew he was coming and they hollered to the top of their voice. We can learn much from these pitiful people. Act upon what you know about Jesus. Some people want to get it all figured out. They want a spreadsheet. And may I tell you, the only one you're ever going to be given is this one right here. He's never obligated to tell you more than what he said. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who to refuge, to Jesus have fled. But it's here in his word. Every word of it is true. Not one jot or tittle will pass till every one bit of it becomes true. He said that. Act upon what you know about Jesus. Go to where he is. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. We're in a good place, aren't we? Jesus loves to hear his gospel preached. He loves the praises of his people. He loves where his name is lifted and glorified. Oh, go to where you know you'll hear about Jesus. A few months ago, a woman came to church here. She came as a little girl. She rode the bus. And many years had passed, and I asked her, why, why us? Why now? Why did you come here? She came from a great distance, and she said, I knew, I knew that people would care for me here. I knew I'd hear his word. Go with what you know. You may need to know more than what you know, but if you've heard about Jesus, take that. Take whatever it is, and you hold on to that. Don't you let Satan and all the minions of hell tell you anything different. Don't let all the so-called experts, don't let Job's friends come by and, and, and get you away from your, your, your steadfastness on the word of God. 
It doesn't matter what the majority thinks. Go to Jesus. Stay with him. And be like Jacob of old who wrestled all night. I will not let thee go till thou bless me. There's no other answer. Some are looking for some other formula, but these men heard that the great physician was healing people. Perhaps you're here today and you've heard that Jesus would save sinners. That's true. We can all testify. Can't we, church? Those of us who are redeemed. Yes, he's a savior. You can find him anywhere, but he has appointed the means of how he's best found. The heavens declare the glory of God, but where two or three are gathered and his name is being lifted and preached and exalted, that'd be a good place to go and, and find Jesus. His word is how we hear about him. All we know about him is given to us in this book that we have before us. And we learn of his great love and his willingness to save and to forgive. Don't let the world paint you a picture of Jesus. You go to the scriptures, find him in the gospels, trace him there. That's what he looks like. That's who he is. Seek out others who know him and love him. We see there in verse 13. Notice what they pled. We're looking at their, their earnest plea. Jesus Master, have mercy on us. Notice they did not plead for justice. They didn't need justice, did they? And what you need today is not justice. If it's justice you're seeking, we'd all be in hell right now without any chance whatsoever. It's mercy we need. It's grace. Now, Jesus is the Old Testament name. It's Joshua, Joshua, Jehoshua. Jehovah saves. Remember, the angel told Joseph, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. Jesus, master, master is the same word that Peter used in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, when Jesus said, cast your net over here, Peter. And Peter, the master fisherman, said, we've already done that. Master, we've toiled all night. Master, we've toiled all night. It means chief commander. The one with absolute authority. These men knew they had exhausted all measures and means. There wasn't anything else for them to do. And that if they were to be restored, it would take a miracle. A creative miracle at the hand of Jesus Christ. If Jesus was master as they heard, that he was in total command of disease and death, right? Isn't that good reasoning? And they trusted him to help them. They heard of him and they came to him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Act on the word you've heard. A verse. It doesn't take a, a whole Bible to save. A verse will save. Jesus commanded them. Look there in verse 14. And when he saw them, He said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. Now listen, this prescription was prior to his healing. When he tells them, go show yourself to the physician, they had not yet been healed. So they're going to have to act on his word. They're going to have to act on what they know. He tells them they've asked to be healed. They've heard he can do it. He says, go show yourself to the priest. Why did he ask them to do that? This is what the master, the chief commander, told them to do. Jesus always acts 
in accordance to the word of God. He'll never violate any of his word. It's against the attributes of God to violate his word. He never does. He's dealing with them based on the, the commands and the instructions of the Levitical law, where it said you had to go, the, the priest who had pronounced you unclean, if you saw improvement, if the rash went away, if it wasn't leprosy after all, you'd go show it to the priest and say, what is this? What is this? And the priest would say, you're clean. The priests were authorized by God to determine when leprosy was healed. The priest had diagnosed them. And why is Jesus, he healed other lepers and didn't tell them to go to the priest. He wanted the priest to know that who had diagnosed these men that this had to be a miracle. Because they were the worst of the worst. Already in quarantine. Outcast. Go show this to the priest and see what he says. And what does the Bible say? Look there. In, in verse uh, 14, as they went, they were cleansed. I would submit to you this morning, had they not gone, they never would have been cleansed. Would you agree with me there? Amen. Jesus' authority, he could heal. He could heal without them going to the priest. But usually when there's a blessing to be had, there's a command to obey. I find most often in the scripture and you who are seeking a blessing from the Lord today, would you seek him and say, Lord, what command am I disobeying? Is there some precept I'm to put into practice? Is there something I should do? People want all the blessings of the Lord, but they don't want anything to do with his church or his people. I would tell you, you need to get things straightened out in the economy of God. Oh, he's a prayer hearing God. He's a wonderful savior, but he's appointed the means by which he will work. For example, we can be saved without a preacher, but he's appointed preaching as the, as the means for how the gospel is to be explained and preached. That's why we should raise our children under the, the preaching of the gospel. As they went. Oh, underline it. As they went. As they obeyed, the blessing came. This was an act of faith. They had not yet had the assurance, except they had the word. You always act on the word before the assurance comes. People want the assurance and the blessing. This is the word of God. Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. There, this was an act of faith and obedience on their part. Why did Jesus tell them to do this? He said, I've not come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill the law. He's proving that he's the Messiah. He never performed miracles to entertain people or merely to relieve their plight. The miracles were all to point that he's the Son of God, the Savior, the promised Messiah, with healing in his wings as the Old Testament prophets prophesied. Nobody could heal leprosy, it was unhealable, incurable. But God can, and he did. The perfect Son of God obeyed and fulfilled it all in thought, word, and deed, the Word of God. The priest who diagnosed them would know of their condition. I've seen you guys. What are you back here for? He would know that a miracle that only the Son of God could perform had been done. And that's what he did. And so we've seen their great plight. Pitiful, isn't it? Our hearts go out to them. And we see their plea. They, they heard and they lifted their voice to the Lord. But I want you to look, lastly, the Lord's gracious pity in verse 15. And one of them, one of them, 
Did you hear what I said? One of them, not nine, not ten, but one. When he saw that he was healed, as they went, I don't know how far down the road they got, but they looked at their rotting flesh, and it was like a baby's. Look at us. Look at me. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned around, turned back. And with a loud voice, louder than what it was when he called on him for healing, with a loud voice, he glorified God. Why do we get so quiet when it's time to glorify God? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. Now, you know, I don't believe they would have been healed had they not obeyed the word of the Lord. They simply took him at his word, didn't they? Now, I want you to know this morning, they all were healed. How gracious. All of them were healed. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the Gentile, the free, the male, the female, all are one in in Christ. They were all healed. So God didn't have to do that. Remember at the pool of Bethesda, there was many laid around the pool, but one, the Lord, out of all those folks, our Lord's mercy, he healed the one. But physical healing, let me just tell you this morning, you may be here, you may have just gotten a horrible diagnosis this week, and my heart goes out to you. I've heard the cancer word. I know what it's like. But may I tell you this morning that physical healing from disease, as wonderful as that is, only goes so far, doesn't it? Because you know what? It is appointed unto man, what? Once to die, and after this the judgment. All these men, though they were cured of leprosy, would die one day. Would you agree with me? They're not alive today. They died. They were cured of that, but some other disease. I don't know. A boulder may have fallen on one. One may have dropped dead of a heart attack. A serpent may have bitten. I don't know, but I know this. They all died. And then what? What then? That healing only went to the grave and no farther. I want you to know this morning there's something much more than physical cures and outward circumstances being changed for the better. Some of you are praying for that kind of miracle, and I hope the Lord does whatever it is that you need to be done. I am in no wise looking down upon a plight or a situation, but the greatest, the greatest plight that we have is our relationship with Jesus Christ. What about your soul? The soul needs to be healed as well from the sin within because it's not what comes into a body that pollutes or defiles. It it comes from within to without. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, I'm so glad the Holy Spirit records it like that, glorified God. Fell down on his face, giving him thanks. Can you imagine how happy He was. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day. Tis done. Tis done. The great transaction's done. I am my Lord's and He is mine. He drew me and I followed on, charmed to confess the voice divine. Happy day. What was the result? He received an even greater blessing. He not only was healed of leprosy, his soul was healed as well. Jesus saved him. Look there in verse 19, the words of our Lord. And he, 
the Lord Jesus said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, when I preach on a text, I always go back to see when I preached on it before. And Barbara brought to, brought to me out of my files the text. I preached on this tw- twice before, this same text. And in both times when I preached this text, and by the way, you can't preach the same text enough, can you? I mean, this, this is new every morning, new mercies I see. But both times when I preached on it before, I preached on the sin of ingratitude. And so I've done that. And you probably heard it if you've been here very long. And I'm not going to deal with those nine ingra- un- ungracious men who didn't come back to thank him. I want us to focus our attention here in just this last minute or so on the one who was healed of his soul's disease, his sin. Now, what the Lord is saying here, he said to him something, he did for him something he didn't do for the others. He was literally saying, your faith has saved you. When he said, thy faith hath made thee whole, your faith has saved you. The same phrase is used elsewhere in the Gospels. In Mark 5, 34, when the woman with the issue of blood, he says the same things to her. Your faith has saved you. It is the normal New Testament word for saving from sin. So made thee whole is the same as your faith has saved you. The Samaritan who was outside the covenants of Israel, he had no claim to Christ. He wasn't a Jew. He was of a hybrid religion that was was a cult. He knew about God, but it was was all jumbled up as anyone who's not taught the, the Scripture. But he believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the the Savior. But he had no access to God except that he came to him and Jesus heard him seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high, great high priest who cannot is not touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted tested like as we are the difference is what yet without sin he was he didn't sin he proved himself His testings proved that he was the Savior. Let us, therefore, in light of this, let us, therefore, come how? Boldly. Boldly before the throne of grace. Like Jacob of old, I'll not let you go till thou bless me. Cry out to him. Can I tell you right now, whatever your situation is, don't let go of the Lord until he answers. Pray until he answers or until he kills you. Until you go to heaven. If you know it to be the word of God, if you know it to be right, if you know it is the will of God, never let go. How long do you pray for a lost loved one until they die? How long do you pray for a problem that's not been solved? Always. God's not on our timetable. He's not due by the 30th of August to check that off a list and go on to something else. Who do, you, who do you think this is? But he's a merciful God. He will hear. He will answer. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Child of God, those of you who are saved, I want you to think of all the Lord has done for you. Doesn't it humble you? I can't believe it, brother, that the Lord has 
tolerated me so long. Aren't you, aren't you surprised at that? That he allowed me to live until I was saved. And then he saved me when he did. And that he counted me, me worthy to be put in the, the ministry. And that he let me declare the, the unsearchable riches of his grace. You don't have to scratch your head and wonder. I wonder most of all that the Lord would use me. But I want to tell you this morning, he came all the way from heaven and took on a body to live and die and pay for my sin and for your sin. He rose again to clear you from blame. That's justification. And when he clears you, it doesn't matter what charge anybody lays against you, it can't stick. Did you know all the demons of hell can line up today and scream it out for all to hear? It would not move. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He's interceding for you right now. Did you know that as we meet, he's interceding for us? It's one thing to be temporarily healed. And we praise the Lord for healing. And I believe in the miracle working power of God. It's an eternally different thing to be saved, to be cleansed from sin and headed for heaven when you die. Thank him for what he's done. Oh, we ought to sing this last song with hearts of gratitude for what he's done. Thank him for his willingness to save. He said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's soul rest. Rest your soul in Jesus' hands. It's by faith. Take him at his word. To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Rest for your souls. Oh, gracious Lord, I plead before the mercy seat this morning that you would save those. Save that one nearest hell. We don't know who it is. But Lord, I pray that your gospel preached would bring great glory to our Savior's name. And that you would use it to show those their need and the, the willingness of the Savior. Lord, you're standing and waiting and willing, ready to save. And those that you've worked in their heart, may they, by your grace, come. Those that are listening, I plead with you to examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. Are, are you resting in Christ alone for salvation? If not, I beg you to put aside your unbelief and your rebellion and religion and self-effort and whatever it is, and humbly receive the salvation that Christ offers. You must be reconciled to God. And he's given you this opportunity after hearing his gospel to be saved. Turn from your sin, turn from yourself, and you'll go to him just now. Take him at his word. Tell him of your great need, and he'll save you. You can call on him where you are. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to make a motion. You can call on Jesus Christ where you are. The thief couldn't get down off the cross. All he could do was repent and believe. Ask him to do that, to give you his righteousness. You don't have to speak out loud. He hears the, the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you do that with a broken heart and sincerity, He'll save you. Now, Lord, bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.